0: Scripture this week is from Romans chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the living. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but what you eat do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. or whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I
1: didn't grow up with a knowledge of or any understanding of holy days or holy diets. I didn't know anything about any of these things. My mom then became a Seventh-day Adventist. And it wasn't long before I started to understand the concept of holy days and holy diets. My mom went to church at first without my sister and I. It was a conviction that she had for herself, and my dad didn't like the idea at all, so he said, you just leave me and the kids out of it. But somebody in the church found out that my mom uh, played the piano, and if you play the piano in a Seventh-day Adventist church, it's not long before somebody's gonna snag you and bring you into the children's division where you will play all the little songs that they sing, right? And so she's in there playing who has come to Sabbath school, and she's looking over her shoulder and thinking, "Oh, well, not my kids. they're they're not coming to Sabbath school and they might really like this. And so my mom and dad brokered a deal where my mom would take us to church one Sabbath and the other Saturday my dad would have us and do whatever he wanted to do with us. And and that's kinda how we started out in our Seventh-day Adventist journey. Sabbath was a really curious thing to me as a child because when you're 10 years old, or however old I was, probably younger than that, When you're really young, you don't understand the deepness of any really kind of a subject. You just understand what's fun and what's not fun. What's something that you really want to do and what's something that you just don't want to do at all. And it turns out that that's kind of how Sabbath ended up being presented to me anyway. Sabbath school was okay. I didn't like getting up early on Sabbath morning. I didn't like and and combing my hair and and getting dressed up and stuff like that. I hated that, uh, but because I was a little boy. But but once we got to to church, Sabbath school was kind of fun because oh, they were banging sticks together and singing all the you know there's the a flag flying high in the castle of my heart and we were felting felts. I think that's what you do with felts and 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 you know the other little kids were that was cool. Sabbath school was cool, but the problem with Sabbath school is. It gets over. And then you have to go to, in our church, divine service. It was divine. And I don't know that it was much of a service, to me anyway. As a little kid, we went to the Green Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church, kind of close to downtown Seattle, and we had these wooden pews. I think they probably still have them. Wooden pews. And I had this eight-year-old or ten-year-old, however, bony little butt that would sit on these, these and, and my mom would make me sit still. I'd have that little bag of Cheerios on my lap, and, and, and I couldn't bring any toys because they were too noisy, and I would have to sit there, and I would have to listen. I would have to listen to Edith sing, I surrender all in that, that voice. And And I'd have to listen to the pastor and his continuing series on the eschatological implications of the book of Numbers. And it was to me as a child sitting in church was listening to the teacher in the Charlie Brown cartoons. Remember the teacher? Wah, 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 wah. I mean, that's all I knew is the clock that was behind, I didn't know how to tell time, But the clock that was behind me on the front of the balcony, when both sticks were up, it was gonna get close to time for us to get out of this mess and go do something else. And uh, the, the final hymn would come on and I'd look expectantly, hoping beyond all hope that they chose one of the rare ones with only two verses, but no, it had five and you had to stand and sing the song. And then my mom always wanted to talk to people after church. Well, then it got a little more confusing. We'd get home, and this is, you know, toward the start of my mom's Adventist journey, as she started to understand the idea of Sabbath and how it's a different day than all the other days. And uh, I, we would get home, we'd eat a nice lunch, and then I'd say, Mom, I'm gonna go out and ride my bike, okay? And she'd say, don't, no, 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 you're not gonna ride your bicycle today. Well, why? Well, because it's the Sabbath. Well, I can't ride my bike on the Sabbath? No, you can't ride your bike on the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. It's a holy day. It's a special day. I not feel that special to me. So what are we going to do if I can't ride my bike? We're going on a five-mile nature hike. I'm <laughs> I was just going to coast. I wasn't even going to pedal. Or we go to the beach uh, with, with a bunch of people from the church and and I'd start getting into the water a little too deep, and my mom would yell out, don't you go swimming, young man. Well, why? Because it's the Sabbath, and we don't swim on the Sabbath. We don't? No, we don't. And I thought for a minute, and I thought, huh. Mom, I'm not gonna go swimming, I'm just gonna play baptism, because you can do that on the Sabbath, right? No, you can't, get out of here, get dried off. Sabbath was a holy day. None of my neighborhood friends, they couldn't, they had no idea. They'd come over, hey, you want to go skateboarding? I can't, it's a Sabbath. What's that? I don't know. (laughs) I just know I can't go skateboarding on it. Holy days. Well, and then after my mom was in the church for a little while, some lady grabbed her in the hallway and say, Patsy, we're so glad you've joined the church. We're so glad you're a Seventh-day Adventist, part of God's remnant, last-day people. My mom said, oh, I'm just so glad to be a part of the church, too. It's just really been a blessing in my life and my children. And the lady looks at my mom and says, Patsy, how would you like to really be a Seventh-day Adventist? My mom said, uh... I think I'm really a Seventh-day Adventist. Patsy, I have something I'd like to share with you. Okay, what would you like to share with me? She drug her into a little room where there were a whole bunch of pamphlets and leaflets, and she gave my mom a pamphlet on vegetarianism. And it wasn't like, A normal pamphlet on vegetarianism? It was a uh, neo-Nazi fascist pamphlet on vegetarianism. My mom read this thing and she was convinced at the end of it that the Bible and Ellen White and everybody else knew that if you were still eating some sort of flesh foods by the end of time, that somehow you couldn't be translated, and we can't have that. We want our kids translated with us, so we better become a vegetarian. Now my mom didn't tell anybody she was reading this stuff. She just studied it out for herself, and she decided that there is also not just a holy day, but there's also a holy diet. We had one tradition in my family, one. It happened every Sunday. Every Sunday at six o'clock, we would sit down at the table with a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we would all turn our chairs toward the TV, and we would watch Star Trek together. You know Star Trek. Live (laughs) Live long and prosper, you know it, right? That's what we would do. So my mom goes out to get the chicken and we're sitting at home doing whatever we're doing and when she comes through the door before Star Trek is supposed to start with the bucket of chicken in her hand, we looked and she didn't have a bucket of chicken in her hand, she had grocery bags. And my dad looked up and he said, where's the chicken? And my mom said, oh um, yeah, we're gonna become vegetarians. And my dad said, Vega what? And she said, vegetarians, we're not going to eat meat anymore. And he says, what kind of nonsense is this? And she said, you're going to like it, don't worry. Well, she went into the kitchen to prepare the food, but the pamphlets that she read suggested that the more raw the food is, the better the nutrients and maybe the easier to translate, I don't know. And... And, and so she went in and, and instead of cooking stuff, she just cut a bunch of stuff in half and put it out on the table. And she said, okay, it's time for dinner. And we all went around the table, turned on Star Trek and, and, uh, and we sat there and looked and it was all these fruits, nuts and grains that were all raw in front of us and you weren't allowed to have anything to drink with your meal either. And, and so we didn't have anything to drink. You just had to like squeeze some of the fruit and get the juice out of it. And and we ate and uh, and it was it was a lot of tearing and grinding and, and and digesting and it was good fiber and. My dad at the end of the meal dabbed his mouth with a napkin and said, "You know, uh, nice picnic." tomorrow I want meatballs. I want them about this big and I want them so cold in the middle that, that when I cut them, stuff runs out. That's what I want. I want meat. And my sister and I looked at my mom and we just, with these puppy dog eyes, mom, you please, dad, be our advocate in this. And my mom says, well, okay, I'll cook you meatballs, but the kids are going to be vegetarians. And my sister, and like, oh, Oh. And every meal, it was like the dog that hides under the table, only it was our hands, like this, and my dad would sneak <laughs> a meat, and we'd eat it, along with our Brussels sprouts. She went on a kick, uh, and another part of a holy diet, she read something else that maybe she should have supper for breakfast, so, so I don't, do you remember these things? If you grew up in the Adventist church, all these fads that happen with our holy diet, and oh my goodness, she would, she would, we would get out there and we would have Veggie Links, uh, broccoli, and a baked potato instead of cereal. It was the weirdest stuff. My mom and her holy diets. My new church life had very little to do with pursuing a deeper faith and a deeper relationship with Jesus, and a lot to do with making sure that I lived up to the expectations of those people who we went to church with. The people in the new religious subculture that my mom had joined had expectations and they were quick to vocalize those things. And uh, Patsy, are you eating right? Patsy, what are you doing on Sabbath and not doing on Sabbath? And she would project those things onto us and my sister and I grew up with those stigmas. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. <laughs> My poor mom and her weak faith. <laughs> the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted Both of them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master servants, stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Not your job to make anybody stand according to the way you think they should stand. That's God's job. Anytime you do that job, You are assuming the position of God. And when you assume the position of God, you become, according to the Bible, the little horn, the beast, the the image to the beast, you name it, Satan himself. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. First thing you need to notice about these little texts is that Paul calls matters of what day you deem holy and want to be special and observations of diet in a religious sense disputable matters. These are matters that are in dispute. See, I was sure as I grew up in the Adventist church that I was right and they are wrong that that, um, I worship on Sabbath and we had a term which is so interesting and we still use it in the church and I think it's just really wrong. We say, and those other people are Sunday worshipers. They're not worshiping Sunday. They're worshiping Jesus on Sunday, hopefully we're not worshiping Sabbath. We're not Sabbath worshipers. We're Jesus worshipers, and we happen to worship Jesus on Sabbath because that's how we are convicted. The Roman church at the time when Paul was writing this was filled with people who were convicted that the law ought to be observed. They were called observant Jews. And with people who had never read or uh, they were they're worshiping with people who had never read one letter of the law. They didn't, they didn't know anything about the law. They were called Gentiles. Both sets of believers had their convictions. They were really convicted on who they were and what how God was leading them. The Jews' convictions were that they were supposed to follow Jesus correctly, and in doing this, they had to observe the holy law and they had to keep sabbath days and avoid certain foods clean and unclean foods and and food sacrifice to idols when it became clear to the jewish believers that some in their church were not convicted like they were convicted disputes broke out hey 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 you can't do that on the sabbath whoa 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 you can't bring that to potluck what are you thinking And there was was unease in the church. And Paul's writing to this. You know, we tend to do that. If you're not convicted of the same thing that I'm convicted of, you are obviously wrong. Because the Holy Spirit convicted me of this. So you've got to be wrong. Because I'm right. So instead of trying to understand each other, And give each other the latitude of following God and letting God speak to each person as he needs to. What we do is we get concerned and then we start talking and then we start meddling and then we establish committees. And these committees, they will study our differences. And then depending on who's in power, we find ways to force those who are different than us to be more like us. We're just gonna make a law. If that's not gonna work, we're gonna make a law and then everybody has to be like me because I'm right because the Holy Spirit lives in me and he talks to me and if he says this to me, then he has to be saying that to you. We establish compliance committees to force outward compliance even though the heart may be far from what the people are being forced to do. It's simply anti-Christ. Paul says, verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Just because they believe something different than you. Just because the Holy Spirit is leading them in a different direction than you. Why are you judging them? Why are you trying to force them to be like you? I was preaching in Nova Scotia at a camp meeting. Pugwash. Great name for a camp meeting. I think it's a, They said it's the smallest camp meeting in all of North America. I think they have 500 people there. My family and I were there. It was a great time. I would go do that every summer. My family and I were sitting in the cafeteria. It was my wife and my son and myself. And we were eating with this lady who was sitting across from us. And we had all kinds of stuff on our, on our food trays. And, and she had a, a salad and while she was, uh, while we, we prayed and, and we were gonna start to eat and get to know this person, and she goes like this. And she gets her purse and she pulls out a little packet of ranch dressing. And she rips it open and she goes. I thought, well, that's a little weird. She likes her ranch fast. And then her husband came and sat down with a dish of salad, started eating, and he glanced over at her salad and said, What's that? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like ranch dressing. <sighs> it's, it's a little. Yes, it's just one packet. It's not sweetheart, one packet. He sat there for the whole meal, railing on her about having dairy in the diet and, and what that could do to her. And if her kids saw her doing that, it would be a bad example for them. And yada, yada, yada. My, my wife and I and my son are sitting over there eating our mac and cheese and whatever else was on the, you know, going, oh man, he's going to hate me. Well, sure enough, uh, at my age, this happens sometimes. I had to get up in the middle of the night and go use the restroom, and I, so I walked into the public restroom they had there in my jammies and, and uh, washing my hands, and this guy walks through the door. And he says, you're the pastor that was sitting across from my wife at the cafeteria, aren't you? Uh, yes. For the next hour, He railed on me about the fact that I am a minister of the gospel in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I had macaroni and cheese on my plate. He convinced me not that there's no way I could be translated, that that the the influence I was having on all the young people and and, and all the people that I ministered to was so horrible. And and by, by the time I got out of there... I wanted to baptize him in ranch dressing. I (laughs) hold him under until the bubble stopped. (laughs) You know, there was a guy in the Bible that was convicted in his own walk with God that he needed to eat differently and dress differently than everybody else. It's noted in the Bible that he did this. His name was John the Baptist. Had a different diet than everybody else in the church. He was convicted that this is what he needed to do, and he dressed differently. He was convicted that that's what he needed to do. And do you know what he never preached about? His diet and what he wore. His message was simple. He must increase, and we must decrease. Decrease. Jesus is to be preached no matter what our convictions are about holy days or holy diets. It has to be that. His message John the Baptist is what the Roman church's message should have been and what they should have been talking about instead of disputing over what you do on a certain day and don't do on a certain day instead of disputing about diets the Roman church should have been getting together Jews and Gentiles old school and new school they should have been getting together and embracing each other and say hey let's put Jesus at the center of this congregation conversation let's how can we live Jesus up in our community so that more people would want to come in how can we do that that's should have been their conversation all along. And Paul had to remind him of this. He says in verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's just simply not a matter of that, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not about a day. It's not about a diet. It's about Jesus. This is what it boils down to. The very last verse of this chapter is maybe, Jay, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. It says this. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And here's the part that I love so much. For everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everything we do that doesn't come from a relationship with Jesus is sin. At the end of the day, sin is not something that you are supposed to be convicting others about. At the end of the day, anything that doesn't come from faith is sin. We have separated our lives into secular and sacred. Whether it's Sabbath observance or or what we do and don't eat, And that's fine, I guess, if that's what you wanna do, but it's just not what God wants us to do. It's not how God does things. In a true life in Christ, everything is sacred because Jesus is in you. Sabbath is sacred, but so is Tuesday. Pastors are sacred, but so are auto mechanics that have Jesus in their heart. Eating is sacred. Whether it's Brussels sprouts, I don't, they're not, no. They're underdeveloped cabbages. (laughs) Or lamb. If a believer is eating it, if a believer is living in that day, it's a holy day, it's a holy meal. Everything that we do has to have Jesus at the center of it. And when he's at the center of it, it's holy and it's perfect and it's good. Just because somebody is convicted differently than you on what that might be does not make it cease to be holy and perfect and good. It's just not what God's called you to. It's what God has called them to. And when we trust that God is going to work in another person's life like he's working in our life, we have to trust that sometimes he's going to lead them down a different direction. Sometimes he leads people to Jerusalem and sometimes he leads them to Babylon. But it's God's leading and it's God's doing and we have to trust that. I think when we... Place our heart into the heart of Jesus and take Jesus' heart and put it in our heart we really don't have any worries and we really don't have a compulsion to try and judge somebody else instead our preoccupation is to lift up Jesus and as a result lift up the people around us find all the good in them and dwell on that